welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real People, Real Talk. Relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast that goes there. My name is Paul Calco and I'm your host. Now let's talk. Welcome to part three of Coming to America. If you haven't listened to part one and part two, please pause now and go listen to those so you can get the full story. But here's why you should listen. This is an international conversation about unity, diversity, and culture with friends from South Korea, Nigeria, and Mexico, and they currently reside in the U.S. Today, specifically in part three, we focus on cultural insensitivity and jokes that really aren't jokes and it's not funny. And my friends are going to share more about their experiences. Exactly. And transparent moment about walking, like ever since the Ahmad Albert, the Ahmad situation, like I don't walk and jog in the neighborhoods. I'm 30 years old, but my mom was like, I know you're grown, but I would feel comfortable if you would just go and walk and jog at like public places. And this, so this transparent moment is something I'm working through and not just because of that incident, but because of how, you know, various races responded to that um, incident. And so, um, so you touched on this and I want to open it up. At, oh, would you about to say something, did you? I couldn't tell. No, just just real quick. I, I'm glad you said that because Jessica, you know, uh, my wife here, she would also warn me not to kind of go jog by myself late. I would wear dark clothes. And again, like, you know, I want the same rights, right? I'm not asking for any more, any less as every single U- U.S. citizen have here, right? I shouldn't have to fear for my life. But I can tell you having a newborn, it puts an extra layer of protection because for some reason right now with my newborn, I'm seen as like less threatening. So I usually jog with the stroller and it's all cool. But if I go alone, six one, lean guy with headphones in, they might see it a little different, right? So I understand where your mom is coming from, but my extra little lady right now that I'm using is my baby, right? I'm jogging with my baby. Everybody thinks she's cute, so they usually say hello. That's real, because if my wife was to walk with me, I don't know why, but I would feel just an extra layer too. Like, oh, he's married, and but yet, yes, that's crazy. We got to even assimilate um, that way, like just with what the news um, tells us. Uh, let's dive a little bit deep before we move on. Just what are some things that may come off as offensive to to you guys that those that say it don't realize it's offensive, and in that same category, it'd be like jokes that are not funny. And one thing that I would say um, is that um, that you're acting white and. White people and black people would say this, and this goes to that whole living in both worlds. And just because I speak proper doesn't mean I'm white. Um, and so why is that? That Like I say, it's not just white people, but some black people. We have that inter thing going on, saying that you're acting white. Or I remember it was one white guy, and I love this guy. Like, I know he meant well for me. Like, he helped me get a, a job back in, um, I ain't gonna say what year, because I don't want to give it away, but he helped me get a job. Like, I love the dude. He loved me and my family. But one thing that he said, I think I shared this before, but he was like, Paul, you're not like the other black guys. And in that moment, I was like, wow, thank you. But when I left his office, I'm like, what you mean? Like, how are the other black guys? But anyway, getting too much. Um, I want to hear from y'all. Let's start with you, uh, Annette, and then we'll go around. Can you repeat the question? Sorry. No, no problem. Cause I went on a little tangent. And what are some things <laughs> that, um, and if, if you have something, but what are some things that people would say that come off as offensive to you, but they may be ignorant. That is, you know, not even offensive. Like Sylvia said earlier, like people say, where you're from? No, where you're recently from. So something like that. Yeah. Um, I can, I can say a few examples, some of them personal, some of them from like friends who are Mexican that, they like told me about it. Um, one of the ones I already mentioned is like the 
if I'm Mexican, then why am my skin? Why is my skin not dark? And why is my hair not dark? Um, that was obviously something that like nowadays, um, I'm my, I hope no one ever says that to me because y'all should know better at this age, you know, <clears throat> growing up, it was like, I didn't even know better. And then another thing is, um, having to like, if someone's like wanting to go eat some tacos, they're like, Oh, uh, do you know any good place to eat tacos? And I'm like, um, I don't know. Just like look it up on Yelp. Like, what makes you think that I specialize in tacos? But but Annette, I gotta jump in here, Annette. Right. That's like somebody asking me. That's like somebody asking me where's where's the best or where's the most bomb um, Nigerian restaurant in Houston. I mean, I expect them to ask me. I'm Nigerian, so I should be able to give them a little bit of insight. I, mean, I won't even see that as being offensive. I, I think it's offensive because like it would be people that like know me and like I don't even eat tacos like that. You know, like I don't eat tacos like that. Like I actually prefer going to Chick-fil-A or something. Like if my family's trying to go eat some tacos, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go with y'all, you know? But it's like, you should ask someone who you know actually eats tacos on a regular basis. Because like, I can't give you an answer for that. No taken. Do not ask Annette where the best taco spots are in Houston. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just that, it's just, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, it's just that assumption that like, oh, because she's Mexican, she's going to know where all the good tacos are. There are other Mexican foods other than tacos. <laughs> That's like, um, I don't even know. Can y'all, can y'all say an example? Like, what is the most generic food to your like home country? That is like, we have other foods than that. Anyway. Most people t- think about like, you know bulgogi korean barbecue which is uh-huh. very very small section of korean food and right. it's like you know i can't wait to go back to korea my husband's not been to korea yet so i'm like you you don't even know there's a whole world of korean food that you're missing out here but yeah no it, it's it's definitely the case yeah and um on the tangent of tacos so like taco bell is not mexican um, and so when I say I don't like talk about, yeah, when I say I don't like talk about people are like, why? Like we're Mexican. And I'm like, that's not Mexican food. I'm sorry, but that's like Tex-Mex. Sure. Hard shell tacos. That's not Mexican. That's like a Texas thing. Um, and so I don't eat that. Cause like, I, I don't like, like it that much, you know? So, but people get so like shocked that like, I don't like Taco Bell or like places like that. So Things like that, that I'm just like, that's annoying to have to deal with um, regularly. But another example was a friend. Um, he was in a school theater production or something like that. And um, they knew he was Hispanic. And the only role they gave him was, oh, you just go and say anything in Spanish and it will be really funny. So, yeah, I, I hope that I don't have to explain that. But, yeah, so things like that where it's like, oh, Spanish speaking is funny. Let's have you say anything at all. And like, it will make everyone laugh. So things like that is just like, um, annoying and like rude. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> that you say that. Cause like growing up, um, you know, my favorite Disney princess was Milan and people would think, you know, Oh, is it because you're Asian? I'm like, no, because she saves the dude instead of getting saved and 
acting like a damsel in distress. That's why, duh. Anyways, um, yeah, I just got on a sidetrack. Yeah. Uh, so my thing, when you say like, you know, what are some some of the things that people do that's like annoying? Uh, I think for for us is uh, in West Africa, um, a lot of our food is still natural to us, and a lot of Westerners don't really try it much, right? So everyone knows a South African restaurant, right? That people know it. They go, oh, yep, I, I've tasted that food before. Everyone knows a Korean food, a Chinese food, a Mexican food. But again, it's still this enclave, West Africa, where our food doesn't transcend as much, right? So when you think about the Nigerian restaurant, the people that are going to Nigerian restaurant in America are mainly Nigerians. Compared to like a Chinese restaurant, it's like a melting pot of people now that's kind of gotten comfortable with that taste and all that stuff. So because of still the unfamiliarity of our food, when people see it, especially in people's home, we still get the, oh, what's that? It's like, that's, that's very offensive. Very, very offensive, right? Just, just, just say, hey, what is that, right? What are you having? And then we'll explain it to you, right? Because it might not look the way that you expect food to look, or the presentation might not be as sexy as what you're used to. But this is our diet. This is what we eat. This is what we like. You know, smell it, eat it if you if you want to, right? But again, when you just come and go, ew, what's that? It's like that's a big turnoff. You can ask, hey, what is that you're having? Just ask in a normal way, and we'll explain it to you. But when you come in a disgusting face, we have a disgusting response as well, right? Because you just turn everything about us up. Because to me, my food is part of who I am. So if you can't even accept or even ask the right question about my food, then I'm going to question all the other stuff that comes with me that you might not even be able to accept or, or in a nice way ask what it is as well. So that's one of those things that, that, that annoys us a lot because I, I even see it happening with my nieces and nephew, right? When they go to school, they take sandwiches because they don't want to take their Nigerian homemade food home because they're afraid of their parents. I mean, their friends asking them, ew, what's that? Right. They don't like sandwiches, but they know that that's the only easy thing that they can take to school, that they can be somewhat accepted. Right. Without being outliered or outcasted to say, what is why are you so different? Right. Everyone is trying to assimilate. You're trying to fit in so that so that, you know, you can hide in your little corner so that you're not noticed and bring in a Nigerian meal that needs to be heated, that has rice in it, that has this red stew, that has this meat that you might have to use your hand a little bit the world is going to end if a child brought that to the school. I mean, it'll be the end of the world. So what do they do? They bring sandwiches. By the way, I don't like sandwiches. So. <laughs> That's so them? funny. Go ahead, Annette. Okay. I was just going to say, um, my friend uh, is Vietnamese and she told me that in her family's culture, you don't say, I don't like that. You say, I don't know how to eat that. So basically, like, if you don't like a food, you're implying that you're not smart enough to enjoy that food. And I thought that was, like, really cool because, like, uh, I'll, bring, I'll bring food home from, like, a Thai restaurant or something. And my family will be like, oh, like, what are you eating? Why do you eat such weird things? And then I'll, like, tell them that. And then they'll, like, kind of, like, quiet down a little bit because they're like, okay, maybe, maybe you're right. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, being in so many white spaces and, you know, my husband being white, I am so self-conscious about the food that I eat in front of them, right? Like, I, you know, I'll always ask my husband, like, oh, does this smell bad? Is this, is it okay if I eat this? 
you know, like, oh, you're going to be grossed out, but I, I used to love eating this. And it's just, you know, it's like, why do I have to ask permission from my own husband about how, you know, like what kind of food that I can eat? But, you know, he is so open and he's just been so loving and he's just like, you know, I'll, I'm always willing to try things at least once. And if I like it, great. It just, you know, it tastes good. And if, you know, it, it's very, very flavorful. And if I don't like it and I know now, you know, I don't like it and that's okay. Like you should eat whatever you want, but you shouldn't have to ask me about if you can eat this, you know? So I think that's something that I've definitely struggled with. I know this is a podcast, but I really wish that y'all could see um, the faces of the panel as one person, although what they was born at is literally thousands and thousands of miles from each other, but the commonalities and the fellow struggle and the stories that um, overlap is one person will say something and another person will be either snapping or you just see it in their face where they're saying, um, amen. And um, for those that, you know, not from church, amen, just mean facts or, you know, I feel that. And so this is real people, real talk. And I got to ask this question, y'all, but um, have you ever been asked to be a part of the quote unquote diversity picture, whether it's at your job or your school? So your said job or school can show everybody, Hey, look who we have here. Talk to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just found out that, um, there's a video on my PT programs website um, and it's just so funny cause it's like the cliche diversity, you know, like, you know, featuring that black dude, that Asian girl and that Hispanic dude. And it's just like cringe. <laughs> you just cringe as you watch. But anyways, it's funny because like a group of us, like working on a group, you know, like assignment together and there's like three Asian girls in our group. And then like, um, you know, like three other girls. And it's just funny that, you know, they choose, chose to use that footage. Um, and there's like one shot of my face. Um, but anyways, yeah, definitely it, it's happened. And I think the problem with the quote unquote diversity picture, right. It's, it's this, um, desire to present a certain picture right? It's not about what's real. Um, instead, what if we used our resources, our time, our energy, our effort into actually developing programs that is more inclusive, you know, like of different races or, you know, other, other things, ethnicity, um, you know, like religion, sexual orientation, anything. Like, why can't we actually use um, our resources in those things so that way we can build a more inclusive space and then the students will follow, right? The diverse students will follow because they hear that it's a very inclusive environment, right? It, the best advertising tool is word of mouth. And if the students can vouch for themselves and say, listen, my program, they really care about diversity and they really care about inclusion and they will make sure you feel welcomed in 
uh, and, and they, they'll make sure that you feel safe in this environment. So I'm just throwing out there. That's my little pet peeve about diversity and inclusion. But yeah, hey, at least they're going the right direction. That's all I got to say. Uh, I have been um, used for the diversity picture as well. At church, though, um, it's never happened to me at school or at work, <laughs> but at church it happened. Um, I was new. I was still in high school when I was new to like the little leadership team that they had. And there was going to be a girls conference. And I was new. Like, I didn't really have friends. But for some reason, they chose me to take pictures of for the promotion of it. And I always thought it was odd. And like all the other people, all the other girls who were used for like the pictures, they weren't Hispanic. They were like white. Um, And so now I'm like, they probably only chose me because I'm the only Hispanic on the leadership team. Um, But yeah, that's the only time I can really think of. Yeah, for for me, I, I, I'm I'm thinking back. And I'm like, man, do I remember ever you know ever having something like that happen? It might have happened. I can't really think of a moment, but I don't think it was packaged under diversity and inclusion. To me, I was feeling myself. Right? I'm like, oh man, you guys want me to post for a picture that's gonna go out to all the people? I'm like, cool, sign me up, right? I think that that was where my mind was, and it might come from just absolute ignorance from my end, or or again, it really. They did a good job or whoever presented it to me, I, I considered them a confidant and I respected and I trusted them that it wasn't because of my color was why I was asked to do this. It was because of the right opportunity, the right time and whatever, whatever the case might be. So I don't have a specific moment where I felt like, yo, you chose me because I'm black. And that's the only reason why you chose me and it's for DNI purpose. But my wife has shared multiple stories with me where they've literally been lining up and tapping her to be part of one initiative or another where they were publicizing her image because she went to a private school growing up between junior high and high school and it was predominantly white so hers was very straightforward compared to mine we had a level of diversity and when i got to college you know i was older at that point where i can hopefully be able to navigate and decipher that a little bit more but yeah not as not as not as blatant as as, as what you described earlier Man, that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm I'm torn with this question myself because if I don't see myself in the pictures, if I don't see people that look like me, I'm offended. So I'm like, I get why they're doing it. And so I'm not mad at them. Um, they mean well, whether it's a whether it's a church or a school or your or your job. But for example, the school that I went to, like I was on and I was on the same thing you was too, uh, digitally. I just thought that, you know, I was the stuff and they wanted me. Um but I was on the brochures, so I was on their posters. Um, but then at the same time, when Obama got elected, like I was nervous because of the things that were being said and just going on at the campus. And so we just got to keep it real, keep it 100. And so, man, now what is what are some myths? And um, Sylvia, I'm let you go first with this one. But what are some myths or understandings that people may have about you and your culture and um, you and your part of your culture, because I understand you don't speak for all um, South Korean people. I get that. So we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so Asians have that stereotype of being smart, right? You know, it's like some people, you know, some people say to me like, oh, it must be so nice because you're Asian and you're so smart. And I'm like, you know, I'm not just smart because I'm Asian, right? Like I didn't come to where I am right now because I'm Asian. I am, you know, by by the grace of God is why I am able to go on and get this, uh, you know, like 
doctorate level degree and was able to finish that because, you know, God enabled me to, and this is the calling that God has given me and I've worked hard at it, you know? And, you know, it, it's interesting because thankfully Asian culture is one of the few, I think, races that don't have as many negative stereotypes, but, um, you know, I, I think stereotype is true, true in some sense because Asian culture does value hard work, career, success, monetary affluence, um, which are good things. You know, I'm not saying they're bad, but sometimes we care about them a little too much to the point where it's detrimental to our health, especially our mental health, too. Um, but, you know, but here's the thing. I'm not saying, right, well, the other races just need to work harder, right? That's the whole concept of model minority, which is a way that a lot of um, white people get away with this um, concept of racism, where it's like, well, if, you know, other races just worked hard enough, that's not true, right? Immigrants tend to not come from a background of systemic racism. Immigrants tend to not come from background of generational poverty. So that's a whole different ball game there where, you know, we, we, we're not comparing apples to apples at that point. You can't just lump all the racial minority with each other just because we have some more melanin on our skin, you know? So, um, but yeah, I think definitely that is a misconception, but, um, you know, definitely, I think I do get that a lot where people just kind of assume my intelligence or where I am in the society is just because I'm Asian. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. Let's hear from you, man. So yeah, we, we 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 get we get a lot of the stereotype from all direction, right? So America gives us one stereotype, and then other African nations give us one stereotype, and then even within Nigeria, we have stereotype among different tribes, right? So I belong to the Yoruba tribe, which is one of the three most um, populated tribes in Nigeria, right? So what is the Yorubas known for? Yorubas are known for being proud. Say so we're very pride prideful, right? They're saying we're very loud. They say we're very loud. And then another thing that we've always been known for, unfortunately, is that we're big fraudsters. So you always hear 419 or, or a bank bank fraud. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Somebody will call you and say, you got a million dollars and you need to go ahead and claim and give us your account number and your social security, right? So unfortunately in America, Nigerians are known for being one of the biggest fraudsters in the world. Because again, there is, it's a prominent problem that we have in Nigeria. Uh, but like I always say, I, I don't focus too much on the problem that we have at hand today. I focus on what led to that. Why do we have that problem, right? And then whenever you start seeing people taking shortcuts, it's one of two things, right? So it's pure laziness or just lack of opportunity. And if we don't have opportunity, why do we not have opportunity? Then you have to start going back a couple of decades and centuries to understand what, what happened to Nigeria. You know, how is Nigeria the way it is? Pre-colonization, what was Nigeria? What was Africa to post-colonization? So, again, just because someone gives us an independent doesn't mean that it leaves it in good hand for a country to succeed either. So just 
always keep that in mind as well. And before we kick it to Annette, I just want to say, like, I played ball with you, did you? So you are loud, you are proud, but you ain't no froster. <laughs> so I just want to get that off my chest and keep it real. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. <laughs> Annette, man, what are some myths and understandings, man, about your um, Hispanic culture, Latina culture? Um, one one that I know that other other people will appreciate is um, that if you see someone who's Hispanic, they're automatically Mexican. And like, I know a lot of people who are like from El Salvador or Colombia, Venezuela, and then they're like, they actually get offended if you call them Mexican, which offends me because I'm like, what's wrong with being Mexican? <laughs> um, but that's one of the, the ones I've seen like in front of me. Um, there are other ones that I don't know if they're misunderstandings because I've never been, for example, Mexicans work on the farm. Mexican women are maids and nannies. Mexican women and men are custodians. Those are things that I can say, sure, mostly I will see them, but I've not, no one's ever actually been like, oh, is your mom a custodian? Like, thankfully that's never happened. Um, so I, I can't say it's necessarily a misunderstanding because at least where I grew up, I did see a lot of Hispanics being custodians. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They're doing what they can. You know, they're getting a job where they can. Um, Because we don't, Hispanics don't get a lot of opportunity. Um, Especially the whole thing. Hispanics are more criticized, not in front of me, maybe not in the city, but here in this country for sure, that we are overpopulating the country. And we need to go back to our own country. We're taking up all the jobs or whatever. And it's like, actually, not really. We're, We're taking the jobs that we can. You know, so if that means being a custodian, okay. If that means working on a farm, okay. If that means being a bus driver, whatever. Things like that, I can, I can understand why that stereotype is there, and I, I don't. It doesn't have to be a negative one either. I think there's some honor in it because we're willing to do what we can to provide for our family. Okay. There you have it. We are saving the best for last. As you can see, we didn't pull any any punches, man. So come back tomorrow for the finale of Coming to America. This has been a fun journey, and thanks for coming, coming with us on this journey. And as always, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you tomorrow for part four. God bless.